Welcome to our evening service of worship. We're going to begin, please, with number 319. There is power in the blood of Christ. Let's stand as we worship the Lord tonight. singing tonight and on this final verse it said would you do service for Jesus your king well we've been thinking about that in our services today we're thinking about us being ambassadors and witnesses for Christ and so if we want to be engaged and serving him well do we want to do service for Jesus your king there is power in the blood of Christ and the atoning work of our Lord has accomplished all of that for us, and in the application of that atoning work and blood, it means that you and I are able to go out in the service of Christ with the hope of success. And the success is not, of course, based upon us, but it's based upon what our Lord Jesus has done on account of us. And that's our great hope and joy. So would you do service for Jesus, your King? There is power in the blood. Would you live daily His praises to sing? There's wonderful power in the blood. Believer, when we are going about our daily activity, and sometimes if you're in the workplace, you may not be able to sing out loud, but you certainly can sing in the heart. And if you're traveling in the car by yourself, well, that's a good place to, well, just sing to the top of your lungs and praise God, or maybe you're in the house by yourself, whatever the case may be. Let the joy and the song of the Lord fill you with praises, because when that is the case, we can know 
that the devil, for a praising Christian, is going to have greater difficulty getting in to disrupt us. And so let us live daily for Jesus our King and sing His praises. On this final verse, lift up your hearts. to the Lord tonight. Let's continue in that spirit and heart of praise as we come to pray now. And as I pray publicly and you pray silently, the Lord hears your intercession as we come in Jesus' name. Let's bow before Him now. Our loving Father, with great thanksgiving and rejoicing in our hearts, we come to bow in prayer in our evening service And we come, Lord, to pray for the Spirit's help in every part of our service. As we lift our voices, which really is only an expression of our hearts and what has transpired within us, how we have been transformed by the Spirit of God through the application of Christ's atoning work. And we know tonight, Father, that we our children of the Most High, that we have been redeemed not with corruptible things as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish and without spot. And so, Lord, tonight we know our sins have been forgiven. We have been washed, and we are ready for a home in heaven. We are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Tonight, Lord, I pray that every believing heart would be edified and built up, the Scriptures being applied to us. Father, help us, we pray, for sometimes we are so forgetful and we need to be prodded along. May the Holy Spirit come and have complete sway in our lives. Lead us forward, we ask, O God, in the center of of Your perfect and divine will. Let us not be going astray off the main course that we are called to walk on. Let not our hearts be distracted by the world or the flesh or the devil. We pray that Satan will be defeated in every attempt that he has to come against us as he sets his temptations in front of us, that we will be strong in Christ And we will walk, Lord, according to the Spirit's will and direction for us. Father, help us as our congregation. Help us to grow. Help us to grow, first of all, spiritually, every believer. Help us, Lord, to grow in our families. We'll draw closer to the Savior. We ask for families that have unsaved loved ones or those walking at a distance from you today, 
O God, come, we pray, and bless our homes and our families. Make use of us as individual believers. Help us to show the love of our Lord Jesus and that we would grow more and more in likeness to our Savior and have His love flowing through us so that we would have fervent love one to another. That our community around us, that the other believers we come in contact with, other churches, that they would know there is a body of people, there's a group of Christians who genuinely have the love of Christ one to another. Unify us, therefore, Lord, in this great cause, and let all men know that we are the disciples of Christ because of our love one for another. And Lord, let this love be seen not just in, not just in theoretical ways, but Father, we pray in very practical ways and that the beauty of the Lord would shine through us. Remember, in our congregation, those who have great health concerns, problems, we again pray today specifically for our sister Serene, that you would bless her. We're thankful for our brother Ron here tonight again. Thankful Brother Richard Teal this morning. Lord, keep your hand upon these ones and bless them. Think of our brother Duncan tonight, and we pray your hand would be upon him. Thankful that Alan is back with us tonight in the evening service. And we pray, Lord, your hand would be continually upon him in his own health needs. And we pray for Anne as well, uh, that you would comfort her and bless her and touch her body. And Lord, for others that are either in an aging situation, uh, perhaps some health problems we don't know specifically about, but Lord, bless them and encourage their hearts. Let them not be cast down, but rather encouraged. Encouraged to go on from strength to strength, and even in the time of their sickness or being set aside, show them, Lord, what they're able to do in their own ministry of prayer, their own ministry perhaps of reaching out to others. Give them that strength and grace, we ask. So, Father, we are thankful for the recommencement of our Sunday school and bless the teaching staff that we have and everyone involved in training of the boys and girls, in teaching of the young adult class, the adult Bible class. Be with every single ministry that's going out from our congregation. We commit everything into Your hand, Lord, and we are praying for the blessing of heaven to be upon us. Remember, we pray Brother Cranston in Port Hope tonight and Brother Fraser as he will preach the Word there. May there be direction and help given for the future of that ministry. And we pray, Lord, as coming to the recognition of 30 years of that work and of our Brother Cranston's ministry there as he comes to retire, Lord, may the joy and blessing and peace of God be in his heart and give him physical strength to finish the course with joy and help from heaven. Remember the work in Calgary tonight. We pray, Lord, as they do not have a full-time pastor, that you would bless the ones who are filling the pulpit now. Be with Brother Ferguson as he preaches there. And give wisdom to our Ian Golliher as he oversees that work and fills the pulpit. 
Father, give wisdom and call the right man to come to that needy place. We think of Brother Diderno, Frank, as he goes to Fredericton, and Lord, help him in all the details as he makes final arrangements and plans, leaving this part of the world in Ontario and going to New Brunswick. Father, undertake for your servant. And may he know the power of God from the very first time he takes the pulpit responsibilities. May it be evident that he is a man of prayer, a man of the Word, a man anointed with the power of God to lead that congregation. And may there be evident growth there very, very soon. So, our Lord, hear our prayers. Be with our school ministry. We ask, Lord, for again your protection, for salvation among our student body, and for those to be set aside who profess to know Christ, and that their lives would make a difference, and that they would determine to go on with God put a very high wall and a hedge around this vital ministry and hear our prayers. So, Lord, be with us now tonight. Bless us as we read the Scripture and as we open the Word of God. May help from heaven be our portion. And may we know that tonight. We ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Let's sing again, please, to worship the Lord, number 403. I'm not ashamed to own my Lord or to defend His cause. We'll stand, please, to sing. Let's read tonight, please, in our Bibles in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. First Thessalonians chapter 2. We're going to read the first 12 verses. For yourselves, brethren, know 
our entrance in unto you, that it was not in vain. But even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as ye know, at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor of guile. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God which trieth our hearts. For neither at any time used we flattering words, as ye know, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is witness. Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you, nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to be, to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because ye were dear unto us. For ye remember, brethren, our labor and travail, for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you, we preached unto you the gospel of God. Ye are witnesses, and God also, how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. As ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children, that ye would walk worthy of God who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. The Lord bless his word to your hearts tonight. When the Apostle was addressing the Thessalonian believers, they went to minister to them, and they were very careful not to be a burden to them. In those early days of the gospel ministry, as the Apostle went from place to place to present the truth of God's Word, they often had to work laboring with their own hands to supply their own need. They did not want to go and in any way be a distraction to the gospel message for people to think, oh, these, these guys are just here for what they can get. They're kind of like traveling salesmen, and they're going to come and present their wares and hope to be paid for it. No, Paul was very careful. He knew that it was worthy for them to supply the need of the ministers, of the apostles. In fact, he said, we could have come as the Lord's apostles and required this of you. But no, not at, the to not at that point, not at that time. They were too young, too gentle, uh, too, well, young in the faith. And so, he went presenting himself to them. He gave himself to them as they went as preachers of the gospel of God and gave them the message of the gospel, but not that only they gave of themselves. And my, what a testimony, what an example that is. And he said, you are witnesses. 
And we were thinking about that this morning, and we're going to be continuing that thought tonight, how that we are called to be witnesses of the Lord. And the apostle said, but you are witnesses how we have come to you, not in deceit, not deception, but in all honesty. And he also said that God is also our witness. Sometimes people use that phrase a little bit too lightly. They'll say, oh yes, what I'm telling you is the gospel truth, and God knows, and He sees, and well, the fact of the matter is, God does know, and the Lord does see. And sometimes He sees when, well, things are not exactly as open as they should be. Well, let's be always careful as the servants of the Lord that we are not doing or saying or behaving or be going in some direction that is going to dishonor the Lord's Word or the Lord's cause. And so, what encouragement there is for us here. The gospel of God was presented to them, and in faithfully the testimony that He gave was an honorable one uh, to these dear Thessalonian people. May the Lord bless His Word to our hearts tonight and help us to mirror that testimony as well. Great to see you all tonight in the house of God for our evening service, and thankful for those faithful ones who come morning and night, and you're back in your place again. If at all possibility you can be here, it's good to see you, and we're happy that you're here. Great to see our brother Alan back again with us. We know Alan has not been doing well health-wise, and we're happy that he's back here. And the last time he was here, he said to me as he was going out, he was retiring from playing in the evening service, his saxophone. He said the saxophone was getting a bit too old, and it was acting up on him. Well, brother, we're, sat, we're happy that you spent so many years being able to play for us. We're sorry that the saxophone was not working too well, but also we're thankful that you are back with us, and we're happy that you're here. Also, we're happy to have Jim Ho with us in the service tonight. Uh, Jim phoned this afternoon, is wondering about the service times and so on, and uh, we're happy to see you, and you're very welcome here. So reach out and make Jim welcome as you come to the end of the service tonight. Just to remind you, we're going to be having a hymn sing after the service. We hope you're able to stay. If you're not, we understand. You'll have an opportunity to leave as we sing the final hymn, but stay behind. It'll be good to be able to praise God and sing some of your favorite hymns after the service tonight. We extend again our condolences to Mrs. Dorothy Bodner in the loss of her husband, Reverend John Bodner, He's known well to this congregation, and we are sorry for his passing, but yet happy he is with his Lord tonight, and he is free from all the pain and suffering and the discomfort he had over this past year. It's not been easy for him, but he is well secure now with his Lord Jesus. The funeral will be this Friday, visitation on Thursday night, and the details are online in our bulletin, and you can find them there. Continue to remember others in our congregation who have need tonight. We hold up our sister Serene. She's not doing well today, and she needs our prayers. And others who are in our congregation, remember Isabel. We pray for her tonight. The Lord's hand will be upon her. And Duncan, Duncan is not in the service today, but home perhaps watching the service, and we're thinking about him in his own health needs. Remember, please, this Wednesday evening, our Bible study and prayer time, a very important 
could we say, the most important meeting of the week for the church because of seeking God earnestly for His blessing to be upon our ministries and how we need that very much. So 7.30 this Wednesday, make sure your family is represented at the place of prayer. Thursday, our session and board meeting. And then next Lord's Day, our Sunday school starts at 9.50 as we have recommenced. Be here at 9.45 and ready for the teaching of the Word of God. And then our morning and evening services at 11 and 6.30 next Lord's Day. I hope to be uh, the speaker next Lord's Day as well. Let's sing again to the Lord's praise, number 412. My faith has found a resting place, not in device or creed. I trust the ever-living One, His wounds for me shall plead. We'll stand to sing. seated. That's good praise as we sing to the Lord tonight. Turn now in your Bibles to Acts chapter 1.
As you're turning up there to Acts chapter 1, remember our brother Fraser as he is in Port Hope tonight uh, preaching the Word. And then also please remember uh, George and Linda uh, Robinson, uh, one of our elders. Uh, they are overseas just now, and uh, George is visiting with his parents, and both of them are elderly, getting on in years. And this past Friday, they recognized their 70th wedding anniversary. And I think that's a, certainly a milestone, no doubt. And not too many folks are able to mark that on their calendar. And so that's a note of rejoicing. But do remember uh, George's family in prayer as they have some health needs they have to deal with uh, as well. We're going to read from Acts chapter 1. As we did this morning, we will read the first eight verses again. <clears throat> the former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. And Luke is the one who is writing here. Until the day in which he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, Ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. As we pause there, join please with me in a word of prayer. Father, we have this very well-known Scripture open now again, that always, Lord, we are in need of the teaching of the Holy Spirit to write the Word and apply it to our hearts. And so, Father, take this Word tonight and use it to speak to everyone here in our service in person and those online, whether we are believers in Christ or perhaps, Lord, some here who do not know the Lord Jesus. Thankful for those visitors who were in our meeting this morning, and we pray, Lord, not knowing their spiritual state, but they would come to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior. Father, bring in a harvest of souls, we pray, 
and make use of us individually and collectively to encourage, to help, to see going forward in their faith to be built up those who are new believers. Our Father, bless us tonight now as we look into the Scriptures. Write its truth upon our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. We have been thinking today in our services about this subject, being equipped to fulfill Christ's final command. We read this morning from Matthew 28, and in that portion of Scripture, Jesus made that commandment, the Great Commission, which sadly has been coined by some the Great Omission because whether or not the church has fulfilled that command that Jesus gave to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. This spreading of the gospel message was part of the final command that Jesus gave as He appeared to His disciples after He had risen from the dead. He says here in Acts 1 and verse 8 that they were to wait until they had received power after that the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit had come upon them, and they were to be witnesses unto Him both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. This commandment of our Lord remains fully operational until He returns to earth, at which time He will judge all men, setting up His everlasting kingdom. And so when the Lord gave that command over 2,000 years ago, it has not fallen aside as far as our Lord is concerned. It stayed into full operational activity. Our Lord Jesus, when He appeared to His disciples and to others after He had risen from the dead, He showed Himself alive after His passion. There were many infallible proofs. And in those infallible proofs, He appeared to some individuals. He appeared to some who were together, one with another. He appeared to His disciples, eleven of them, or ten first of all, and then eleven as Thomas joined the second Lord's Day. What about the two on the road to Emmaus? Or the recommissioned Peter? What a blessing it was to those who were able to see the Lord and to the five hundred at once that He preached to and the teaching that we have recorded here for us, the 40 days in which His apostles and disciples saw Him. The Father left a promise that they would receive power from the Holy Spirit, the Comforter that Jesus had spoken about, and they were to wait in Jerusalem until that promise was fulfilled. The Spirit of God would bring all things to their remembrance, specifically as they were given the task 
whether they were an apostle or another disciple, to write the New Testament. They were not required to go and find resources, to find those things that they would feel were in agreement with what they were commanded to write. The Holy Spirit, who is the author of the Scripture, the Holy Spirit spoke through them and to them, and they wrote down exactly what God wanted them to speak. The book of Acts is record of this. And so, when the Lord was at this point saying to His disciples, but wait until you are endued with power from on high, He was going to equip them to fulfill the final command He had given to them in the spreading of the gospel. Now, in this morning's message, we consider that we are Christ's ambassadors. You shall be witnesses unto me, Christ said. Man was made to be a witness for Jehovah. He was created in order to speak of God's love and grace and mercy. He was to be a living testimony of what God had done in the creative power and in making Him like unto Himself. But sin happened, and yet God did not leave man in his sin. God graciously opened that door of redemption and sent His only begotten Son in promise in the Old Testament and in fulfillment as we look back on that today. And so throughout all the Old Testament, God raised up His people to be His witnesses. And they were to speak of His love, of His grace, of His forgiveness, of great salvation. And friends, we think today of this great privilege that we have been given about being His witnesses. We're not to be ashamed of that. We are to go forward with the joy and peace and confidence, as the Apostle Paul was able to say, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is a calling upon every believer that is not to be neglected. Because as we neglect it, we will dishonor our Lord. We will indeed go against the very calling that the Lord has placed upon every one of His children. It's a trust that must not be compromised. And my dear friends, these are important things that we cannot compromise in any way. And so as we think of part two tonight in this message, I want you to think with me of the power of the Holy Spirit. But ye shall be received power, Jesus said, after that the Holy Spirit is come upon you. The ministry of the third person of the Trinity is vital to the work of salvation. And indeed, it is the evidence that such a work has been accomplished in an individual those who were believers in the Old Testament, whether in Israel 
or outside of Israel, as some Gentiles were converted in the Old Testament. And you wonder, well, who were they? Think of Jethro, Moses' father-in-law. What about Rahab the harlot in Jericho, the Gentile woman that hid the spies? And she is found in the line of Christ, a woman of faith mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. How about Naaman, that Syrian captain, a man who was a leper, but God sent Elisha, or sent rather Naaman to Elisha, and he was healed of his leprosy. How about Ruth, the Moabites? In the line of Christ, a saved soul, a saved woman. And this one might be a little bit more controversial, but how about Nebuchadnezzar? We studied him in the book of Daniel, and I presented at that time my own conviction that in chapter 4 of Daniel's prophecy, we are given this man's personal testimony of what God had done for him. And I believe we will see Nebuchadnezzar in glory. And what about when Jonah went to preach to the Ninevites? He was a most unlikely preacher because he wasn't so willing that the message he was proclaiming would have any fruit. But God had mercy upon the Ninevites, and a great revival took place, and many of them were saved. Ah, friends, what about the widow of Zarephath? Do you remember when Elijah came on the scene? He was sent to the brook Hereth, and that dried up. And then the Lord sent him to Zidon. That was a Gentile place, a heathen place to be taken care of by the widow of Zarephath. And there she met with God's grace. We are all saved by the work of the Holy Spirit because it is the Spirit who quickens us and makes us alive. He brings us out of our spiritual darkness and He awakens us to see that Christ Jesus is the only Savior of our sin. And He leads us to the Lord Jesus Christ. But in the Old Testament, the work of the Holy Spirit was still very much necessary in the salvation of sinners. Everyone in the Old Testament was also saved by the operation of the Spirit of God. But then you're asked the question, well, what was the difference of the work of the Spirit in the Old Testament or in the New Testament as we have given here in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8? The work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, we could say was more specific or maybe narrow in application, as the gospel door was not yet open to the broader Gentile world. I've listed just about seven Gentiles in the Old Testament who we could say were saved, but that was not too many. Upon selected believers in the Old Testament, the Spirit was poured out upon prophets, upon some leaders 
or kings and those who were given special tasks to do. For example, King David in 2 Samuel 23 and verse 2 said this, The Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and His word was in my tongue. Therefore, in the writing of the inspired Psalms, in the work that David was given to do, God's Spirit was upon him. Solomon, we know, was a man who prayed for wisdom from God. And Solomon knew the Spirit's power and wisdom upon him in the operation of what he was called to do in writing of the Proverbs, in writing of Ecclesiastes. Moses knew the Spirit's power when he was in the mountain with God, Mount Sinai. And when he came down, the evidence of the Spirit's power was in and seen through his face as it shone the evidence of God's presence with him. The Lord said to Bezalel, whom he had equipped to both design and to make the furniture of the tabernacle, he said this, I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship. What about Elijah? He was filled with the power of God and was able to do miracles, and it was so evident in his life that Elisha prayed, Lord, that I might have a double portion of His Spirit. In other words, as the Spirit of God was upon him, I need the Spirit of God upon me to do His work, to do your work. In the book of 1 Peter, chapter 1 and verse 21, this is most significant. Peter writes, regarding the Old Testament authors and those who were writing the Scripture, he said, holy men of God spake. They spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So, the Spirit's activity and action was very much alive in the Old Testament, but it was more narrow. It was not so widespread or so broadened out. It was more targeted. But that does not mean that those who were believers in the Old Testament did not have the Spirit of God in them. Of course they did. Because if they were saved, if they were following God, if they were rejoicing in their Messiah then they knew the Holy Spirit working and living in them. These examples show us the Holy Spirit was very much active, very much at work in those days. But upon the ascension of Christ, as He had promised that the Comforter would come, when the Lord Jesus ascended, the Holy Spirit, which was promised, was then given, or we could say He was poured out in much greater power and influence, which was seen in the day of Pentecost. 
Christ told His disciples not many days hence the Holy Spirit would be poured out upon them. In fact, Peter showed this at the day of Pentecost. In Acts chapter 2, verses 16 to 21, that was, had just happened, that which had just been fulfilled, that which the people in Jerusalem had just witnessed about the Spirit of God upon the disciples, the apostles at that time, when the people thought, oh, these guys are filled with new wine because they had been communicating in languages that they had not learned themselves to all the people that were gathered about Jerusalem for the day of Pentecost. They were Jewish people from all over the empire and different nations. And when they heard the apostles speaking in their own dialect, they were shocked. They said, what's going on here? And some people, some of the Jews very foolishly said, oh, these men are drunk. Peter said, no, no, they are not drunk. Don't be so foolish. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. It's a fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy about the Holy Spirit's coming. And he said, I will pour out in those days of my Spirit. In those days when the Holy Spirit will come with greater evidence, with greater power. And what would He be doing? It would be for the proclamation of the wonderful works of God. In other words, it was the gospel message that was going to go out now in, across the entire globe and the Gentiles would be brought in. Now, at that point in time, it did not fully open up to the Gentile world. Why? Because Cornelius was the first Gentile and the gathering of people from his household that really saw the evidence of this. Because at the day of Pentecost, it was really the Jewish church, the Jews in Jerusalem, who had received the Spirit's power in salvation at that time. This was not their salvation, the salvation of the apostles when they were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. They were already saved men. This was not the operation of regeneration, which the Holy Spirit also must do. It was the witness of the Spirit of God in them. This was further power or the filling of the Holy Spirit enabling them to be engaged in further work for the Master, which they could have not have done otherwise. Ah, my friends, when we think about this tonight, you and I come to the place of understanding what Christ was saying to His apostles that they were to wait because they needed to have this power in order to fulfill His will, in order to fulfill their calling. And as we anticipate this today, you and I will pray by faith. And we will pray by faith that the power of God will be in us for service.
And we will come through our praying and believing in the Word of God that the Lord who has made the promise, that He will fulfill that promise for the work that we are called to do. Now here's where some people run into a little bit of a snare or a difficulty because if you would think or say, well, I'm not called to be a pastor. I'm not called to be a missionary. I'm not called for any specific calling that I can see, but I am a believer. I want to live my life for the glory of God. I want to be of service for Him. So how does the Holy Spirit and how does His power come upon me? But that's, my dear friend, exactly where we have to be by coming in faith and prayer, laying hold upon the Lord and praying for His power in our lives every single day, that He will anoint us and equip us for what we are called to do in our life. How we are needing His power to live our life for His glory. We don't want to cower in fear. We want to live our life out and out for God. We don't want to be afraid when someone would maybe laugh at us. Isn't this hard? And young people, very often in the peer pressure, feeling so timid and intimidated. How can I be a witness for the Lord? My dear young Christian, it is so vital for you to pray for the power of God in your life to pray for the evidence of the Holy Spirit in you. And as you pray and ask in faith, believing, God has promised that you will have His power. Have you prayed that prayer? If you have not prayed and asked the Lord for it, then how are you to expect that you will receive that for which you have not asked for. The Lord has said, and Christ said, if ye being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? And that's so clear. But my friends, what happens in our lives often is that the Spirit's power and the evidence of that power can be hindered in our life. And it can be hindered by our unbelief. Quite simply, us saying, well, I don't see any evidence of the Spirit's power in me, and therefore I guess my prayers are not working. But that's where the faith aspect comes into it. Because if we believe what God has said in His Word, and the very commandment He has given to us to come and to seek Him for that power, and as we pray to that end, we are to ask in faith, nothing wavering. And we are to ask the Lord, believing that He will grant that to us. And now you might wonder, well, what when I pray that prayer? Will I feel some, some electrifying experience? Will I feel some warm and fuzzy feeling and know that the Spirit is upon me? Friends, that may not be the case at all. You may not feel anything physically in your own body. But as you ask in faith, and then you step out upon that promise, you will know. You will know the Holy Spirit bearing witness with your own spirit. You will know His working in you and through you. 
And therefore, my friend, do not be unbelieving, but rather resting in faith and upon the promise that God has given to you. We can also lose out not by simple unbelief, but we can lose out in this area by grieving the Holy Spirit. Paul commanded the Ephesians, he said, grieve not the Spirit of God. And if Paul had to say that to the Ephesian church, which in the book of Revelation we are told that they had many, many things going for them. They were sound doctrinally. They were sound practically. But maybe Paul saw and was warning them about something John said to them, but there's something Jesus said I have against you. You've left your first love. And maybe in that it was an area of grief. They were grieving the Spirit of God. Well, believers, let's be very careful that we examine our own hearts to be sure that there's not something, some behavior, some practice that is going to dishonor our Lord or grieve the Spirit of God because if there's some sin abiding, we cannot expect that the Lord will bless us. David prayed and said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear my prayer. Certainly we cannot expect to know the power of the Lord upon us. By our unbelief, by grieving the Spirit of God, or maybe simply by ignoring His Word. Yes, the promises are there. The Word is given for our direction, instruction, correction. But what about the fact, believer, if in our life we have become too hardened in our hearts? We become too stubborn. We've come to the point where we just want to go on our life and we don't really care too much and we are ignoring the prodding of the Spirit of God in our life. That's a fearful place to be in, friend. And I know that for I have experienced in my own heart at different times. And we have to come to the point where we just bear our souls alone before God on our faces and cry out to the Lord for Him to come and renew a right spirit within us. Maybe there has been some open sin, as was in David's life, where in Psalm 51 he had to pray that very prayer. Well, if that's the case, you judge your own heart and examine your own heart. And if we open ourselves up to the Spirit's working in us, then we will know we are not ignoring Him, but we bring those matters into the open light of the examination of the Spirit in our hearts. How dare we think we can hide something from the Lord? How, how dare we think we can pull the wool over His eyes and just keep going on through life, trudging through when there's this and that and something else maybe that's grieving the Spirit? We cannot ignore that work. This is the power that we need in order to fulfill this final command of Christ, you are my witnesses. And you are to take the gospel word out. The power of the Holy Spirit is given to us 
not only by faith and prayer, but with grace and liberty and with restraint. The Holy Spirit and the power that is necessary in our daily Christian lives is given to us so that we will receive it graciously, that we will disseminate and give out His Word graciously. For we who have freely received must freely give. And we could say, if we have graciously received, let us therefore graciously give. And as the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives, and as we have prayed for His power in service, and so we must give out that Word and pray that the Spirit of Christ will be in us, that His mind will be working in us, and that as Jesus Christ had the testimony of speaking gracious words that overwhelmed the people that He was speaking to. He spoke with authority, not as the scribes, but His words were full of grace and truth. That's what John marked as he commented in the opening chapter. We beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the, of the Father, full of grace and truth. This marked the life of Christ, and that's also to mark our life. And we know the Spirit was poured out upon Christ without measure, in fullness, in order for Him to be engaged in His work. And so if our Lord Jesus had the testimony of the grace of God and the Spirit of the Lord poured out, and His words full of grace and truth, how much more are we standing in need tonight, dear brothers and sisters, of that power and the evidence of it in our life. So often we seem to fall back into the, the trap of thinking we can do this on our own. The apostle argued, if you have started by the Spirit, are you going to continue and finish in the flesh? Don't be so unwise, so foolish to think that. Brother, sister, let us consider again the need that we have if we have been saved by the grace of God, if we have been saved by the operation of the Holy Spirit, then we need the Spirit to help us to walk and continue each day. We can't depend on ourselves. Let us say as the Apostle Paul did, I will take no confidence in the flesh. I will step forward and go forward and walk in the Spirit. And if we are doing so, we will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. With grace and with liberty, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Now, what is this liberty that is being talked about here? You see, when the Holy Spirit is at work in us and we know His presence and His power, then we are going to have liberty to be able to speak His Word. We're going to have liberty to be able to communicate His message to others. We're going to have the liberty to be able to communicate with other believers 
and love them freely. This liberty has so many dimensions to it, and when we quote that verse, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, it is sometimes taken so that when a preacher is preaching the Word, he will know God's power and the uh, freedom of expression of the Scripture to communicate His truth. And that's what every preacher desires. Believe me, that's what I desire and need. As I open the Bible to you and communicate the Word of God, it is not in me naturally. It is of the Spirit of God. And I stand before you as one who is weak in and of myself. But I also know the clothing of the Spirit of God to communicate His message because I have the authority of heaven upon me. I am not communicating my own message. I'm not giving you something that I have dreamed up myself. I have no right to do that. But as your pastor and as one who has the authority of heaven vested upon me by the Holy Spirit, by the authority of Christ, I therefore speak to you. And as I communicate God's message, it may be one for those outside of Christ, I say to you, it is time to repent of your sin and to come to Christ. I stand in Jesus' place communicating that message to you. Repent and believe the gospel. Friend, are you online tonight watching this message and you're not a believer? And I say to you with all my heart, it is time to repent of your sin. You're in this meeting tonight in person. Maybe you don't know the Lord. My dear friend, it is time for you to repent of your sin. That is the liberty, the authority that comes from God's Word and by the Spirit of God. And is that the type of liberty that you can expect to have in your own life? Absolutely, friend. It's liberty to speak freely of what Jesus has done for you, of how He has saved you from your sins, of your hope of heaven, and you can share your testimony. And I don't mean you have to preach to people or shout at them. No, in no way. You're simply sharing what the Lord means to you. And the light and the love and the liberty of the Spirit in your face, in your life, that's going to come through. And people will say, what that person has, I want. Yes, there is grace, there is liberty, and there is also restraint. The Holy Spirit sets a watch upon our mouth. The Holy Spirit sets restraints upon our, our travel, our direction, our, the places we go. And this is a very blessed thing to pray for and to know. Sometimes it will be in an annoying way to us initially. Maybe it's a red light. Maybe it's some obstruction that stops us from going to a desired destination. And we can get a little bit frustrated, but as we are walking in the Spirit, and as we know the grace and the liberty and praying to know His restraint and power and direction in our life as well, we can be happy about that. We can rejoice that we are stopped from going into a certain place. Remember the apostles? Paul was going to go into Asia. 
initially. But the Holy Spirit forbade them, and they went in another direction. They went west. And that was the Lord's working, restraining them from this direction, but opening up a door over here. Pray that God's will by the Spirit will be seen in your life every single day. And friend, not only is it by prayer and in faith and with grace, liberty and restraint, but it's also all to the glory of our Lord Jesus. And if we have that intention in our hearts, if we have the Spirit at liberty to mold us and make us and form us and see our life being governed in that direction and with that purpose, it will be for the honor of our Lord Jesus Christ. I leave you thirdly and, and briefly our final point tonight, this unlimited opportunity that is spoken about here. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the world. The local is Jerusalem and Judea. And for us as believers tonight, that has to be our home area. If we are not going to be faithful witnesses for Christ and filled with, His, with the Spirit of God in order to serve in the local capacity, how can we think as a congregation or as individuals to go beyond? We are called to be faithful locally. But there was also the undesirable location of Samaria, which the Jews and the apostles knew well. They had no dealings between them. And so we look at that illustration in the New Testament time. We can see in vivid color what that means. But it also comes home to us that as we fulfill and want to fulfill the gospel message and being witnesses of Christ, it's going to take us into some places that are uncomfortable for us. It may take us to some undesirable locations. It may take us to some people we're not all that fussed about either. But what is the gospel message to those of you who have received much? We are to communicate to those that have received nothing. You remember the four lepers in Samaria? They went out to the Assyrian camp and they found great spoil because God had made a noise and all the Assyrians had fled and they came upon gold and silver and food and fires burning and everything there and they gathered up stuff and they went and hid it and they went to gather more and they hid it and then they were struck by this great reality. If we do not show and tell of what we have come across today, great evil will come upon us. And so they went back to Samaria and they told the king, and all the people were able to come. And though they had been suffering great starvation, they came upon great spoil that day. And so, friend, it may be that 
there are some undesirable circumstances that we have to be involved with, and yet still the Lord tells us to go and share His Word. But there is also the final stage of this, and it was the global aspect, local, undesirable, and global, because He said to the uttermost part of the world, and we will be involved in this by support, by your tithing, by your giving, as you do to missionaries. Because quite frankly, we cannot everyone go to every corner of the world. But as each local church sees their responsibility, then we are going to do what we can by way of support financially and certainly support prayerfully. We give our supplication. We pray for those that have gone. And in our denomination, we have certain missionaries that are under our mission board that we are supporting financially. And quite frankly, we cannot touch every single square inch of this world. So what are we to do? We are to do what God has placed within our capacity to do and to do that with all our hearts. And you have done that in giving of your tithes and offerings to missionaries to support them, but you're giving also in your prayer support. But there are some who will be able to go in answer to the call of God. And that will require, yes, sacrifice. Is God speaking to your heart today, friend, about what we can give? About who could go for Him? Would you say as Isaiah did, Here am I, Lord. Send me Is the call of God upon someone today? Will you answer that call? And so as we bring the message to a close tonight and our thoughts for the day, let us pray that the Holy Spirit will fill us. He will fill us for service for Him, for the honor and glory of King Jesus that He will empower us with zeal for Him, that we will sense the urgency, the lateness of the hour, and pray that we will be about the Master's business and that it will be in total dependence upon Him. As we pray these matters into our own heart, my friend, the Lord will answer your prayer. If you are in bodily weakness tonight, maybe age has come upon you, and you say, well, what can I do? My dear friend, you can pray that very prayer, Lord, fill me with your Spirit and use me in some capacity, and God will use you in your prayer life. He will use you in your ability, in the urgency of seeing whatever time I have left. Lord, you can have every day, every moment of the day. I belong to you, and I want to live and to serve the Master. Let's bring our service to close tonight, please, by singing number 685. It's a prayer. O breath of life, come sweeping through us. 
Revive thy church with life and power. O breath of life, come cleanse, renew us, and fit thy church to meet this hour. We're going to stand and sing this hymn, and if you're not able to remain for our hymn sing afterward, please feel free to leave as we sing the last verse. And if you're able to stay, that's fine. We will come to rejoice in the Lord. Let's stand to sing. Please be seated. Father, we pray tonight as we have thought about this Word and the great challenge of the Scripture that the Word will be written on our hearts, that the Holy Spirit would be working in and through us each day. Lord, we know that the Spirit dwells in us, that our bodies are His temple. And blessed Holy Spirit, we pray tonight that we will be very conscious of Your leading, Your directing, Your help, Your power that we might resist the devil 
that he will flee from us, that we'll not become the plaything of the evil one, but he'll be rebuked in our lives, and that we will walk each day in the joy and blessing of so full and free and great salvation. Bless us now, Father, as we spend time in worship. In Jesus' holy name we ask. Amen.